Hi, this is Mike. And this is Sean. Welcome to The Cooling Tower, our straight talk podcast where we explore all things atomic. Inside The Cooling Tower, we interview atoms and deep dive into interesting topics and perspectives that are worth sharing. Sean and I have our guest, Jeff Williams, in The Cooling Tower today. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Sean. Hey, Mike. I'm excited to be here. I've never done a podcast before, so I'm looking forward to it. I was unsure how to prepare so I watched a lot of Between the Two Ferns episodes to make sure I was in the right mindset. Perfect. So, so Jeff is a managing partner in our Grand Rapids office, and he's been with Atomic for nearly five years. Before joining Atomic, Jeff served in many leadership jobs across a variety of companies. He's worked for large organizations, a high-growth startup, and another consultancy. Jeff has seen a variety of leadership and management styles over his career. And he's also honed and refined and evolved his own style over his career. Outside of work, Jeff enjoys spending time with family and friends. Jeff also enjoys exercising. He's actually a former Ironman participant and uh, successfully completed the Ironman. And he commonly rides his bike many miles to the office, especially when his son has his car at college. (laughs) And recently, I know that you and your wife, Heather, have gotten a lot into pickleball. How did you decide to start playing pickleball, Jeff? All right. I I owe everything to that to my father-in-law. When he moved to Florida to retire from teaching, he picked it up as like a hobby and he became very passionate about the sport. And as soon as he got back to Michigan, well, of course he had to share it with Heather and I. So he pulled us out onto onto the court, got my wife really into it. So she's now there almost every morning playing pickleball from, you know, nine to 11. And it's just, a fun couple time thing. And then we're constantly trying to pull other people into it. It's, it's one of these things that's very accessible to people. You don't have to be an Uber athlete to do it and you can have a lot of fun. Outstanding. How competitive would you say you and Heather are at Pickleball? If we're doing a scale of one to 10, she's probably a six and I'm probably a five. Okay, cool. Well, Jeff, I'm excited to have you here with us in the cooling tower today and to have you talk to us about vulnerability. Vulnerability can be a strong force for positive relationships in the workplace, leading to more trust and better cooperation and innovation. Vulnerability opens us up to change in ways that a perfect persona oftentimes can. Brene Brown's writing has shined a light on vulnerability and the value it brings to leadership. And Jeff, with you talking about us uh, around vulnerability today, it's because we've always been impressed with your ability to be an authentic leader. You bring humility, curiosity, and sometimes vulnerability to your work. We've enjoyed observing your style and learning from you over the years. In our mind, the perfect person to discuss this topic with us. So thanks for being here. Let's let's open this up. I'm looking forward to it. When I told my wife that we were going to discuss uh, vulnerability, she kind of laughed at me. <laughs> and to that end, I will admit that I'm working to be uh, more vulnerable. It's a thing that you're never done trying to do. I'm not perfect at it, but I believe that what we're trying to do here is talk about it. And I think that's an important thing, uh, a first step in trying to help people understand what vulnerability is. Well, we really appreciate it, Jeff. And uh, we're just so happy you've you've, uh, agreed to join us on this and uh, um, open up a little on this topic. So maybe to get started, like how would you define or describe vulnerability? All right. There is a lot written about uh, vulnerability. Brené Brown has that excellent book. There are 
now executive leadership classes that you can take on the topic. So there's a whole, there's a whole space in the world where people are, are digging into this. They're recognizing a ton of value in, in this, this space. Um, for me, I like the idea that vulnerability is, is that unstable feeling when you step out of your comfort zone. When we put ourselves out there and are kind of hanging in the wind, not sure which way the wind will blow, to me, that, that starts to get into this space where you're actually being vulnerable. Vulnerability is closely tied to empathy, uh, as well as guilt, shame, and self-worth. Indeed, I believe a lot of what happened to people is based on feelings of, of guilt and shame. Uh, we receive messages as we grow up that enforce guilt and shame in our lives. Guilt is an expression that I made a mistake. It's sort of anchored in that behavioral piece where shame is an expression that I am the mistake. Shame gets used as a tool by by bad actors to sort of control other people. And this takes away, this robs us from our ability to actually be full people and, and be vulnerable. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible, harmful thing. We've all encountered it in our lives, this, this shame and guilt, and had to come to terms with it. Um, we, we all struggle with trying to be vulnerable. And, and I think like shame gets in the way of, of being vulnerable, ultimately tied to, to people's feelings of self-worth. So I think the goal here is, is learning about ourselves, coming to terms with who we are, developing a place where we feel worthy, worthy of love, and then trusting ourselves um, so that we can kind of let go of the shame and guilt we carry. And then we can bring more of ourselves to what we're trying to do in this world. So ultimately, vulnerability uh, is a thing that gives us courage and strength. Uh, and the more that, that we can flex this vulnerability, the stronger and more res resilient we become. It's almost a way of of coping with some of these very natural forces that are going on. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Hearing that, Jeff, it's, it's almost like that journey towards self-acceptance. Self-realization. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen it come up in uh, dimensions of high performers as well, where some people who are extraordinarily high performers and they're always trying to grow, it can be as a result of a low amount of self-acceptance. And in your words, maybe there's some like shame or guilt tied up in that. And the real sweet spot is when you can have that self-acceptance and that high motivation for growth, you, it, it's a great place to be because you have clarity on where you are, where you're not, where you want to go. And you can be even keeled in how you bring yourself to any situation. You know, and those situations come up at work. Like, what do you, what do you think about the benefits of being, or being vulnerable in the workplace and, and what are some of the risks? I look at it like as consultants, our job is trying to help a lot of clients in, in different situations. I find that I'm living this part of my career in this gray space between problems and potential solutions for our clients. It's a space rich in, in FUDA, fear, uncertainty, doubt, and and even anger, people are looking for some certainty and, and, and struggling to like find it. And they're, and they're reaching out, uh, looking for some help in this space. You know, based on my disc profile, I'm a high S. Uh, that means, you know, stability is my thing. I'm known for being stable and predictable. Being in a gray place is not where I should do well. Most of my career, I have had to figure out how to live in gray spaces. And it's taking a long time to figure this out. It's been a long journey. 
and I've seen people struggle in this, this space. I believe there are a lot of engineers in, in the software profession who want stability and predictability, they, a desire to remove uncertainty. This gets to the like, we need to have all the requirements before we start building software. In actuality, the, the powerful thing is when we can actually get started in that gray space to find a direction and get rid of the anxiety, stress, and fear. When I start to feel this tension in my shoulder and, and I do a, sort of an internal gut check because I'm, I'm starting to feel the stress and I'm in that gray space and that highest side of myself is trying to take over and is unhappy with the fact that we're in this gray space, I try to like realize what's happening to me and recognize like I'm feeling a lot of, of risk right now and, and lack of safety and that everything can blow up and bad things could happen and I could fail. I could fail the client. I can blow my responsibility to my team. Uh, I could appear weak and ineffective. Uh, I could be a failure. And this is all like internal dangerous dialogue that happens in your mind in, in milliseconds, right? And what I found is like by, by just letting go, recognizing that I'm in this place of where there's a lot of FUDA, um, I can I can let go and, and embrace like being vulnerable in the moment and trust that like whatever happens in this conversation that I'm having with the client or with my team, or even if there's a, a crucial conversation happening, that I can navigate the situation successfully and the team can navigate the situation. Nobody is going to die. It's not like we're doing heart surgery. Uh, we're going to be okay and if I can, if I can be vulnerable, and if I can let go of, of the fear that's that's that I'm feeling, and and I can lean into having conversations about the real problems that are at hand, we'll be much more successful in, in getting some sort of an outcome, whether that is finding the right thing to build for a client, or navigating that that crucial conversation and coming to a, a positive resolution, and having people come out of of those conversations feeling better about where things are when they went into those conversations. When I, when I think about the risk side, what I would highlight on the risk side is the risk of, of not being vulnerable. If we assume that we know everything and, and that there's nothing to discover, if that we can't feel weak, it's really bad, especially when we work with intelligent people who never seem to fail or ask for help. I've watched good people struggle and struggle at, at, at something until they fail. And, and I think the risk here is if, if we're not vulnerable and, and don't ask for help when we need it, we're actually setting up bad things to happen. It's taking us longer to, to get things resolved. I've watched, particularly in some other in cultures where you're not allowed to ask the person above you questions, you're just supposed to get things done, how that can create really, a really bad, stressful, unhealthy situations for everybody around. And, and problems just linger and never get solved. When you can ask for help from others, it's a gift that you're giving them. And I think what you're doing is you're inviting them in to, to express kindness and care to support you as a teammate. And it actually makes other people feel really good when they can give to you. So I think the big risk in not being vulnerable is, is that you're not giving others the opportunities to, to help and support you. That's really awesome. I, uh, I remember seeing... Uh... A quote, it must have been like an HBR article or something like that. It gave some ridiculously high statistic around people in the workplace that were afraid to ask questions mm -hmm. because they had a, a perception that people would think they were not smart or not thoughtful or some way. And what they actually found in practice was like quite the opposite that like 
people loved being asked questions to because it, it made them feel like smart and empowered and all those things. So it's like, you know, back to your point, like that, that little bit of vulnerability is, you know, not only helping yourself, but it's helping, it's helping someone else feel good about themselves because as human beings, like we're like programmed to like, want to help each other. We need it. Right. I I think there's a, a thing I've been fighting uh, which is this, this this myth of what does it mean to be a man? That myth is like, I'm powerful, I'm in control. I, I will command and tell you what, what you need to do. I never fail. I, I think these are all like very unhealthy, bad things because it's not rooted in anything that's real. It's it's a myth. It, it angers me to no end that that it still is out there and it's perpetuated. It's like the old 1950s model. And I, I just think of all the people that are hurt because they don't they don't allow themselves to to be vulnerable. I still struggle with even with my wife, like asking her for help is a thing that I still struggle with, and I'm still working through. That's why she kind of laughed when I told her we were going to do this uh, vulnerability conversation. Because even for me, asking for help is a hard thing, and I think part of that is rooted in this idea that I learned growing up that like as a man, you're in charge and you don't do that thing. And so I think it's something that we have to like fight within ourselves as leaders to show other people that it's okay to ask for help. And it's actually the right thing to do. I wanted to call out uh, as well. And when you're talking about some of those client situations and describing the negative self-talk, the tension you can feel in your body, there's a, you're really servicing a lot of great mindfulness practices around self-awareness, micro practices like name it to tame it. I'm not my emotion. I am not uh, a tense person. I am experiencing tension in my body. Mm-hmm. And, and now that I can name that and I can choose uh, instead of I am statements to I am experiencing statements, that then brings you to a point of having choice on how you're going to deal with the situation. Exactly. It's really, really great thinking going on there. And Sean, I wish this was something that I knew 15 years ago. It took me a long time to sort of discover this for myself. I think some other people, some other people that I admire as leaders have, have learned this earlier on. And my hope is like having conversations like this and sharing this with other Adams and other people in our business helps them to recognize, like allow them to get further down the road faster than I did and, and help them live better lives, both with their people that are significant to them as well as with their clients and the people they work with. Jeff, can you, can you share with our, our listeners a little bit about your leadership and management style? Yeah, I, I believe that I'm a, a people supporter and builder. I've kind of always been that way. My, my dad was a, a high school counselor and, and growing up, I watched as he spent an incredible amount of energy and effort trying to help kids in bad situations. I, I then watched him become a, a swim coach and inspire many kids who could barely get across the pool when they first started swimming to becoming, you know, eventually state champions in in events that they swam. But the big thing that he did is he taught these these young uh, men and women to believe in themselves. And I think a lot of that sort of has, has had a big impact in how I view people and how I work with people. And I'm, I'm always, carried throughout my career, this desire to like lift others up and help them find the best of themselves. And I've been trying to 
trying to take what I've learned uh, growing up in that sort of swim coaching and those early experiences and apply them to how I've worked with people throughout my career. And I've always seen the positive benefits for pulling people together and getting them to work in a way where they feel like they've been successful and, and finding a way where uh, they can they can be honest with each other and, and get things done. I remember this one experience early on in my career working for a, a big local company. I was leading a, a, a team that was building one of the first versions of of a, of a website and a peer of mine looked over at me and, and kept asking me like, how am I able to get so much work done through this team when they can't seem to find a way to get anything done? And I believe the difference was my approach was to, to work as a team and, and get everyone engaged and involved and, and try to like empower that team to get things done versus telling people what they should do and telling them what I expected them to do. And if they didn't live up to those expectations, telling them what they did was wrong. So Jeff, over the years of your career, have you seen, seen your approach and your style evolve? I think if anything, uh, I've leaned more and more into the importance of helping people find success and identifying when someone should be invested in and when someone needs to probably move on to different different places to grow because there was nothing more that we could offer than where I was. And I, I believe my own personal experiences and then working with teams and then eventually getting into leading leading uh, companies, I've just I've, I've just found that that the more that you can get people working together and, and feeling good about the work they're doing and feeling safe about where they're working, the more you're going to get out of them. The more that you invest in them, hopefully you're getting a mutual investment out of them. I've, I've always found that to be the most fun for me to watch other people grow. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's answering the question, Sean, that you're asking. No, no, it, it, it is. And, we, and we, we totally see that. We call it the cooling tower. We always like to heat up the cooling tower a little bit. We'd, we'd love to hear like a an example or a time, you know, if you're willing to share with us when, when you felt like really, really vulnerable with a client or a colleague and, and what was the result? Yeah, there's, of course, there's been times, you know, early on uh, in my career working for big companies, I've watched the, the, the opposite of being vulnerable. I've seen the, the, the situations where I would be at a table with an executive, uh, that executive would call someone up on the phone they, that executive would wink at me and say, watch this. And then they would proceed to yell at the person on the phone to, to demean them until uh, they were able to get them to give him what he was looking for. Mm. Uh, and I left, I left that like thinking that was the total opposite way to work with people. That was back to that, the, that mythology of, of the man always being right and always being in charge, which I actually felt was very weak. I was more impressed by leaders who are able to be open and honest. I remember one time watching uh, the owner of a business stand up in front of his team and admit that he made a mistake and that that mistake hurt the company. That meant that the company was losing some money, but that he was going to make changes. And he's hopeful that the changes will, will end up making things better for everybody. And I was always impressed with the ability to like stand up in front of people admit that you made that mistake and own it in front of them. And I believe that like doing that in front of that group of people caused them to 
uh, appreciate the person as a human being and actually give them give the company more time and space to see what would happen. They were they were less eager to like leave the company in that bad situation. I was always impressed by that. Uh, I've also seen the times where in dealing with a, a a bad client who wasn't paying their bills and refused to pay their bills, and it was moving into that lawsuit territory. I was struggling to to sort of come to a resolution with them on like how to solve uh, this this money problem, how to get paid for the work that we did. Uh, and I was finding myself on the phone by myself with a lawyer as well as with another executive at this company. And I got to the point where I, I realized like I'm out of my depth here. I didn't know how to, how to work in this space. And then I asked for help. No help came. And um, that that to me was was a really sad moment because I, I tried to do what I thought was the right thing and couldn't get the help. And instead, I, someone turned around and told me what I what I did wrong, which I think was com- the complete wrong way to handle it. I did not last at that company much longer after that time. Uh, I realized like I I needed to move someplace else uh, because I wasn't going to get the support that I needed from that person. It's hard to ask for help, and then when you do, not to 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 get it. And what I would tell people is is it may happen. Uh, don't give up. Continue to ask for help. Because uh, there, because there are people who will help. Um, it just sometimes takes a while to find them. So Jeff, I, I feel it's such a rich topic, and you have so many great experiences to share. We should almost consider a, a, a part two cooling tower episode I, on this. This is a this is a very rich space where I, I think everyone has experiences they can share because I think it's it's a common thing. Mm-hmm. I think all of us carry shame and guilt for things that we've done in our lives, and I think. Um, we're all trying to navigate this together. And I think the, the best thing we can do is, is surface this stuff, talk about it, and help each other like navigate it in, in healthy ways, not unhealthy ways. Yeah. So I, I was I like that. And I I think an interesting point to consider to to close out our conversation today is what it, what does it mean for atomic? Given your experience at atomic, your career experience on this topic. What do you think we can be doing to cultivate a, a safe environment for vulnerability here at Atomic? You know, how do yeah. we how do we create that where someone can ask for help and people people come to support one another? I see that happening a lot, but what do you think we can be doing there? I think all companies can have to continue to work on this. Trust is one of those things that's easy to lose, hard to get. Mm-hmm. You can make one mistake and boom, you, you can lose trust instantly. I remember it, hearing that as a kid. And then it takes like years to win it back from people, right? Yes. Um, there are some stuff out there from Harvard Business Review that talks a lot about the space. And I think of, of some key points that I've read, which is like to be a collaborator, not an opponent. So if, if we're, we're having dialogue about a concern that's going on, how can we work together to resolve it? How can we turn it away from I have to win or you have to win in this argument? How do we make sure that we're moving in the direction that helps everybody, right? How do we make sure that we're speaking human to human and recognizing that everybody around the table is trying to figure this out and we should treat each other with dignity and respect in those conversations? Looking to replace any kind of blame with curiosity. This is something extremely hard to do, especially when emotions are high. 
uh, is to find a way to just to ask the questions, help me understand how you're thinking about this. As leaders, I think we have to ask for feedback on how we're communicating, and we have to constantly be measuring psychological safety uh, and making sure that people are feeling like they can share something vulnerable about where they're at or what's going on. Especially at the leadership level, we have to fight the idea that that we have all the answers and that we never fail. We have to encourage people to ask for help. And to do that, the hardest thing, Sean and Mike, is we have to ask for help. We have to model the behavior that we want to see in other people. And if, if we're expecting if we're expecting people to ask for help when they're stuck, we have to show people that at times we get stuck and we make mistakes and we're human and we need help. We still hold the responsibility of making the important decisions in the business, um, but it's okay for us to say like, we're figuring this out at times and we're not going to get it right. And we need some grace to work through this as human beings. And we need help at times. And those are normal, natural things. And we're going to try and get it right eventually. And I think it's really important that especially the young people that are coming in and still trying to figure out what it's like to work at a company that they see that it's that their leaders are just human beings. Thank you so much for that, Jeff. It's really, really well said. We've really appreciated you coming in and sharing your expertise today and, and sharing your experiences and being willing to be like a little vulnerable with your stories and uh, just outstanding nuggets of wisdom. And thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate the time with both of you. I love that Atomic Object explores this space, talks about this. I'm proud of everything that we're, we're doing and how we're helping people become better and go through the work that they're doing and, and in their personal lives. Thanks, Jeff. It was awesome having you in the cooling tower today. I'm so grateful to be working with you at Atomic. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs>